Welcome to the Startup Competitors Podcast, where we talk with early stage entrepreneurs to understand what information they use to inform product roadmap, strategy, and market differentiation. Hey there, thanks for listening. Today we are chatting with Greg Cryos, who's the founder of 250OK. 250OK was recently acquired, and we sit down to talk about that a little bit of what got them here and what's next. It's a super interesting discussion. I want to thank Greg for taking the time to uh, chat with me. After the episode, if you haven't already subscribed, please do that. Leave us a review, feedback. It would mean a lot. If you want to leave us a comment about this specific episode, I can make sure that Greg gets that feedback as well. And we forgot to do a shout out to Fuel Merchandise Group during the podcast. So I don't know what kind of swag 250OK has. I know they at least have t-shirts because I have one of them. And what kind of, uh, what's the coolest thing that they've ever given out. But if you would like to get some swag, you can do that at Fuel Merchandise Group. It's fuelmerchandise.com. Mention startup competitors and get 10% off of your first order when you talk with them. Again, fuelmerchandise.com. Thanks so much. Enjoy the podcast. Welcome to the podcast. Today, we have Greg Cryos, who's the founder and CEO of 250OK. Greg, welcome. Thanks. And you might have an updated job title? Yeah, I think it's Chief Ambassador at Validity. Chief Ambassador at Validity. Right on. So you were on the podcast a year and a half ago-ish. Does that seem about right? We'll go with that, sure. Uh, and you just recently sold 250 Okay, So I uh, had asked you to come back on and potentially talk with us about that. So I'd love to hear like, well, actually first, for somebody who may not have listened to that prior episode, why don't you give the super quick elevator pitch for 250 Okay? Sure. 250 Okay is an email analytics platform that helps email marketers send better email and make sure it gets delivered to the inbox. Awesome. Now the 60 second elevator pitch for validity. Uh, Validity is a company that helps you trust your data. So it's kind of a combination of what we do along with some other pieces to help dedupe records, make sure all of your contacts are kind of in one centralized place and just know that you can trust the data and eventually be sending you know the right message to the right person at the right time. Nice. And then at the time of exit, give us kind of any sort of current stats, vanity metrics for 250OK, just so people kind of understand where you guys were as a team and a company at that point? Yeah. So, you know, we were in a really good spot. We've been growing, you know, roughly 60 some odd percent year over year. We were not burning cash to do that. We were accidentally profitable, I think, you know, the the year before. And, you know, customer retention rate was north of 80%. Revenue retention was north of 90%. Just had a really good business going. Employee count, uh, we were at 54 people, 30-some here in Indianapolis. The rest distributed throughout the world. We have an engineering team in Brazil. Uh, We have a guy in India, a guy in Canada, and the rest kind of distributed throughout the U.S. Awesome. Accidentally profitable? Yeah. You know, I mean, you know, we tend to operate around break-even, and we had a quarter that was a little, you know, better than expected. So, you know, had to end up paying uh, some taxes that we didn't plan on. <laughs> nice. And you have raised capital in the past, correct? We did. All right. And talk about how you got started conversations with Validity and how that all unfolded. Yeah. So it was uh, really interesting. They are backed by a couple of private equity firms, uh, Silversmith Capital uh, out of Boston and uh, Providence Equity 
as well in the Northeast. And uh, one of the guys from Silversmith got introduced to me through uh, somebody else here in town. We had an intro call. I think that was um, maybe about this time last year. And uh, they were just curious about the space, what I thought about the market, wanted to learn a little bit more about us, wanted to talk a little bit more about our our main competitor at the time. And a month later, it uh, was announced that they had acquired our main competitor. So we found that a little interesting. They kind of reapproached us again, I think, in early to mid-June. You can say who that main competitor was, right? Yeah, it was Return Path. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. So they'd approached us again in, in June and said, hey, you know, we're, we're still interested in the business. Uh, you know, we think you guys are doing, you know, great things. And, you know, we said, okay, you know, and, and just kind of let them know that, you know, we know what we have. We think the business is doing really well. We're not interested in, you know, kind of a typical PE type multiple, nor were we really interested in a PE type play where they might not want to keep the people or, you know, do some of those things. So, you know, for us, that was, you know, first and and foremost was, you know, if we were to do something, what would happen with the people? What's your big vision? Uh, how do we play into that? And are we a critical piece of that or, you know, kind of an afterthought? It was a good conversation. And, Things kind of went silent. We just kept our heads down, building a good business. And in December, they approached us with an unsolicited offer. And it was a pretty good one. Uh, what really, I think, you know, surprised us and, and kind of pushed us in the edge of, yeah, let's explore this a little bit further was their CEO, Mark Briggs, flew out to, to have lunch with us. And we walked away just really impressed and, and really liked him and thought, okay, this could be really interesting. So we just started having conversations on, again, those same things. Like, tell me your, your vision for the team. Because when you acquired a couple other people in our space, uh, one was Bright Verify, which is a pretty small company based, uh, I think, out of North Carolina, but they had some people in Atlanta and, and uh, a guy in New York as well. And, but then with the return path acquisition, you know, only about half the employees got retained. So it looked, you know, like a typical PE, you know, type play, right? You know, Mark took some time to explain the situation and why that really, you know, wasn't the case and why they wanted the company and kind of how those those things transpired and really gave us a lot of clarity on that and made it, you know, crystal clear that that he wanted everything from 250 okay. He wanted the technology, he wanted the people and you know their goal was to, you know, that everybody would stay on board and be part of the validity family and and go on and and be happy and aim at something bigger together. So that was really you know, important and interesting, you know, for us. And we always thought it'd be pretty cool if, if you know, we could have some of the data that ReturnPath had that we didn't at 250OK and, and could plug that into our platform. You know, what could we really go do? And there was a lot of good people over there that we had a lot of respect for as well. So it's like, man, this just seems really cool. And, and the more we, you know, kind of talked, the more we liked it, the more things made sense, the more, you know, we really got along with Mark and, and the other executives that, that we met. And honestly, the last thing we we really talked about was price. That's awesome. You would, or maybe, and I'll use my words to to not get you in trouble. And uh, and if I if I if you can't answer any of these, just say so. I I would have said you you mentioned Return Paths was your primary competitor. I would have even said at times, maybe from a marketing perspective, it looked like the two of you were antagonistic towards one another. What was it like potentially getting rolled in with them? And and you said, you know, you thought they had some valuable data and some some great people over there. But like, I, man, I would love to know uh, just with as as much competition as the two companies had, how was that both from your team's perspective perspective and theirs? 
Yeah, I mean, so yeah, we we were you know a bit antagonistic, but I think for for us, and I, I can only speak for us, but you know, for us, it was always about seeing things that we either knew weren't true or were slightly misleading, and we felt you know maybe some uneducated people in the market were being taken advantage of. So we always had the the mentality of of challenging you know, things that were being said, backing up with data and, and trying not to make it personal. Uh, and that was always our approach. There were some campaigns that we did that people had some pretty strong opinions about either way, but, you know, opinions are opinions, right? So I think I certainly have my opinions. People don't have to agree with them. They don't agree with ours. So it, it is what it is. But, you know, we try to stay true, you know, really to the facts on on how we, you know, marketed against them. But, you know, getting back to the main point is, you know, they were actually a tremendous marketing and sales company. And and they did, you know, that aspect really well. It was obviously what I think their, you know, core strength was. Ours, I think, was really more, you know, product technology and and some of those other things. But it was never personal. There was a lot of good people there. Like I said, we had a ton of respect for. So, you know, for us, never was really an issue still isn't an issue. And as we've kind of got to work with them initially, it's been a lot of fun so far. So I'm really excited. Nice. Uh, do they are they still two separate products, two separate brands in the marketplace? What's the future vision there? If you can talk about it. I'll, I'll be happy to talk about it. I mean, I, I think the the vision is, is that 250 OK will be the platform, you know, going forward. You know, I think it'll still operate under the 250 OK brand for at least a little while. I'm sure that will you know, potentially change and, and become the validity brand uh, at some point. But, you know, starting to incorporate some of the data sets and, and other positives, you know, from return path into, into our platform. And, you know, as we went through due diligence, you know, they, they looked at what we had. We were, you know, in the process of building and launching a new, you know, interface and, and customer experience. And uh, they really liked that. And we just think some of the missing pieces that they had could make that more powerful. So uh, seemed to make the most sense. And, and that's where we ended up. Awesome. What was the total time from founding to exit? A bit of a tough question. Um, so, you know, I originally launched an alpha version of the first product in 2010, but we didn't close our seed round of funding till February of 2012. So if I say that, you know, that was when we officially launched eight years. All right. Yeah, but you, if you did your... Alpha, then that's when you officially launched. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. When did the ramen noodles start? That's yeah. the. Uh, that was way before 250. Okay. All right. Right on. All right. So, can you talk about at all, like from from your perspective, what were some of the big things that you learned throughout the process that maybe were surprising to you, or you were very interested and intrigued to, to learn how they worked, or like I, I mean, I'd love to just know what the experience from your perspective, not, maybe not about like deal structure and money, but more about like, oh, this is who needs to be involved and how this happens. And these are the questions I should be asking that I maybe never even thought of before. You know, I, I gotta say for me, it was, um, it was, it was actually pretty easy. And, and the reason I say that is Arthur Ventures really helped us a ton. You know, having Patrick Meenan on uh, our board of directors as an investor, who used to be on the M&A team at, at Microsoft, who's been through this numbers of times at, at various scales and things uh, was really great. He brought in a, a law firm that they had worked 
uh, with on another transaction. Turns out this law firm also represented Bright Verify with validity in a previous transaction. So they knew their attorneys really well. So it all honestly couldn't have lined up more perfect. And what also made it easy is, is Mark Briggs, the, the CEO and, and founder and chairman of, of validity is, uh, is just a really good guy, you know, kind of serial entrepreneur at four, you know, companies before validity for all intents and purposes was retired and, you know, decided that this was a unique opportunity, saw something and, and wanted to go after it. And, Number one, I think anybody, uh, I, I gravitate towards people from the Northeast uh, that are very direct and, and kind of to the point, but that are also honest, just good people. And, and so, you know, Mark just told us what was going to happen, how it was going to happen, and just said, hey, listen, if there's any, you know, stumbling points along the way, let's just get them out on the table and talk through them. And, you know, we're really interested. We're not just poking around here and trying to learn about your business. And, you know, everything that, that he said he was going to do, he did. So, you know, all those factors combined made it a pretty quick, seamless, uh, easy transaction, especially for a first time guy like me. This episode is brought to you by Full Stack PEO. Most founders start companies because they figured out a better way to solve a problem or serve a need, not because they love tracking payroll, filling out compliance forms, and explaining employee benefits packages. And yet, all that stuff still has to be done. That's why there's Full Stack PEO. Full Stack PEO specializes in turnkey HR for emerging companies, not just those core services, but advice and expertise that help founders maximize employee potential. Curious? Find out more at fullstackpeo.com. What do you think when you reflect back on maybe some of the key inflection points over the years for 250? What do you think those were? Ooh. Um, yeah, I think some of them are, you know, when it's your first time starting a company and, and you're just looking for anybody to believe in you and and give you a check you're you're willing to to take that without really wondering you know uh who it's from what they are like as a person what their motives are uh what they've done to get them to a place in life where they where they can do that for you uh those things and and um you know we didn't always see eye to eye with some of our investors um we had to buy some of them out it's hard enough kind of going down this path but not having everyone have your back and not have everyone aligned with, you know, your vision or the team or uh, even just believing in you uh, makes it even harder. So, you know, those were, I would say those were kind of the the toughest things, you know, from, I think we talked about this on last podcast, you know, we've always been extremely confident in the, in the platform vision, uh, in our messaging and how we approach the market. That was never honestly, anything that ever concerned me. It was just more kind of internal alignment, politics, uh, issues, you know, things that, that come up that are just massive distractions that you shouldn't be dealing with. I once heard you say that you have a policy of hiring unders and GSDs at 250OK. Unpack that. What did you mean by unders? Yeah, unders, you know, people that are undervalued, underestimated, underappreciated, you know, have a chip on their shoulder, something to prove probably to themselves more than anybody else. Uh, I think I fall, you know, kind of into that category. You definitely fall into that category. Yeah, those, those type of people will, they're just programmed to work their ass off and put their head down and, and just 
you know, they hit a brick wall, they're going to get up and smash into it again. Eventually, they're going to knock it down. There's another one waiting. And uh, those are the people I really like. And GSDs, people just get shit done. You know, if you're, you know, I think certain people are suited for certain stages of companies or certain sizes of companies. I guess they're loosely the same. You know, for the way that we operate the business and uh, the way that we do things, you know, if you were sitting around waiting to be told what to do and not finding problems and, and fixing them and just, you know, being that self-starter, uh, you, you probably didn't do too well here. But luckily, we didn't have many of those people. I mean, we, we honestly hired, you know, a lot of great people, never really had much turnover. And I'd like to believe that people were really happy here. Was it an intentional screening? Did, like, did you purposefully screen for that? You know, yeah, I think we did. But, you know, most people that we hired just as we posted jobs were people on our network that knew what we were doing because people would go home and just talk about um, how much they love their job. And they'd be out talking to former colleagues and, and other people. And, uh, you know, when they have that, that passion, they love what they do and they love where they do it. It kind of just breeds this weird little thing because I think a lot of people are just unhappy at their job or they're just checking the box. They're kind of in that cruise control place in life. They got a couple of kids, they got a mortgage, they got, you know, all these other things and they can go to, you know, whatever, you know, job they have and kind of put that part of life on, on autopilot. Um, at some point though, they want that satisfaction from life too. And so I think when people are, you know, hanging out around the hot dog machine, uh, which we have, um, <laughs> and talking about things, um, you know, I think that becomes a little contagious, right? And so they're constantly checking the site and say, hey, I saw you guys posted for this. You know, I want to apply. And so even industry people that I've known for years, you know, would would apply for things. And, you know, that's really just the most humbling kind of flattering thing you can have as a founder or CEO. What do you attribute the low turnover to? You know, when people would come in, I'd say, I want to ruin every job that you're ever going to have. You know, I want you to be happy here. I, I want... I don't want to micromanage anybody. I don't want to have to tell you what to do every second of every day. I mean, uh, we hired you because we think you're smart. We think you deserve to be here. And, um, you know, we'll kind of just give you some loose guidelines and go. I think at a certain point of scale, that tends to break a little bit because, you know, people need to be held accountable. They need to know how they're measured. They need to be, you know, have that real structure, right, in that place and at, at you know, 50, I think three or four people, wherever we were when the transaction took place, you kind of get to see those deficiencies and where that's falling down. And it's nobody's fault. It's not that they did anything wrong. It's, you know, oh yeah, we didn't have a process for that. That's how that fell through the cracks. Okay. Yeah, we probably should. And it's not to the point anymore where you can just walk in somebody's office and, hey man, did you do this? Did you do that? Uh, no, they're spread out globally. Again, what, what's the policy, especially if, you know, on the you know, infrastructure side and, and security and, you know, being SOC 2 type 2 compliant introduces a whole lot of things and you, know, you, you just continue to grow and, and uh, you just kind of get to that point where, yeah, that process and, and procedure and stuff needs to be pretty clearly defined. And yeah, it's a tough corner to turn. Were there any points along the way you wanted to give up? No. None? Nope. Why? Why not? I don't know. I mean, to me, to me, I always looked at failure as I'll go get a job. That's failure. But I, I don't know. It just, it doesn't, doesn't cross my mind. There's always a way. 
Uh, and I knew that we were doing all the right things. And I would see it and hear it from customers. I'd hear it from colleagues. I'd hear it from, you know, everyone else. You know, in the very early part of the company, uh, when I first met Ryan, you know, we had run out of money. You know, we were, you know, a couple of years in, we were really small. It was really myself and, and an engineer and uh, had another person that was doing, you know, a little bit of sales for us. And, you know, you kind of get to, to that point and you're like, man, am I... You know, I hadn't paid myself in two years. Uh, I was living off money I made as a consultant. And you do kind of wonder, like, what am I doing? Am I just crazy? Like, I, I pay to go to work. Who does that? Right? You know, don't most people go to work to get paid? I think I'm doing life wrong. Yeah. But but luckily, I have, you know, some pretty good people around me that are saying, no, dude, you're doing the right thing. Keep going. You know, you shouldn't stop. And you kind of look at that and you hear customers, you know, telling you, even on demos, how happy they are that there's competition in the market, how happy they are that somebody else is building something that can potentially help them. So you start getting all these feedback and, and all these signals. And it's those things that really, I think, help keep you going when you, you know, things are a little bit questionable. But um, as soon as I teamed up with Ryan and Alex, I just kind of knew that I found some missing pieces, you know, that, that I'd been looking for. And from there, it was just, it was a tough, you know, road, but, you know, we just kept hiring really good people and we had a lot of fun together and we all just believed in each other. So it was fun. When did, when were you positive you had product market fit? Day one. Really? Yep. And just because your experience before you started 250? Okay. I knew from, you know, my experience at exact target, uh, my experience as a consultant being users of various platforms, none of them were built by anybody who'd actually experienced the problem. You know, they were built by people who were trying to solve a problem that they saw, but they didn't understand the nuances of, of that. And I could tell because they would ask me questions on what they should be building. And like, why am I giving you advice on what to do? Why, why am I not doing this for myself? If I have all the answers and you build what I tell you to build, maybe I should be doing that. And, you know, just being inspired by other entrepreneurs, you know, Dorsey was one uh, and just other people I'd met in the email space that were entrepreneurs. Tim McQuillan, who's on my board, who was a co-founder of Strongmail. You know, and just some other people that, you know, sometimes you just know. I mean, I always just looked at those people like, man, I want to go do that. You know, but there is a fear factor initially, right? Of, man, am I going to, you know, just stand around and put my toe in the water? Or am I just going to cannonball in? And uh, at some point, you just got to do it. And and I did. And, and uh, it worked out pretty well. Yeah. What's next? Helping validity. Honestly, I mean, they've got a, it's, um, you know, one of the reasons for the decision and, and, you know, that, that became really clear to me as we went, you know, through due diligence, because I, I asked myself all the questions that, you know, most people probably do. I mean, is this really the right thing for our people? Uh, are they going to be happy there? Are they, you know, again, when you have people that, that email you and text you and, leaving notes and just tell you how happy they are professionally, that's pretty, pretty cool. And so, you know, going in the decision, I'm like, man, is that, is that really right? As I got to learn more about Mark and talk to him about his vision, I'm like, man, wow, you know, we really share a vision. And more importantly, you know, we also shared just values of how to be a good person, how to do the right thing. Uh, and as we kept kind of going through that. And I saw the size that they were. I also know that, that, you know, I struggle in big environments. I don't like a lot of rules. I don't like to be told what to do. 
Um, Hence hiring unders. Yeah. You know, so <laughs> it, uh, you know, knowing that if we were to keep going down this path, you then start to wonder, you know, when is the company no longer a fit for me? Uh, and, and how do I add the most value to the company? So, you know, all those things kind of, kind of came into play. And, and, uh, I think there's a really big opportunity at, at validity. And I think a lot of people are going to be surprised right now. I think they're, since they're still pretty young and their model is, you know, really different in a space where, you know, return path have been around 20 years. We've been around, you know, we'll say 10 on your, on your yeah. timeline. So, you know, that is, that's not a lot of change. You know, I mean, a lot of these brands are, are, you know, and companies are, are, you know, still the same that they have been. And to a degree, certain people still think, you know, Salesforce marketing cloud is exact target, you know, and, and even some of the, you know, the activity that's happened, they still associate things back to those, those old companies, but you just don't see a, a lot of change. What's interesting about validity is, you know, they're only two years old and their model is completely different. You know, they're out kind of rolling up these companies and, you know, smashing a lot of things together that, that should have happened you know, a long time ago. And, and we were on the slow path to that, just, you know, building a lot of these things. So they're headed in the same direction, but a completely different model, but they're still establishing their identity, you know, within the the email ecosystem and, and the space. And, you know, I'm terribly excited about the vision and, and how it's all going to come together. Talk a little bit about trends that you see coming in the market and um, what you think that means for what, what you guys do at 250 and, and what validity is going to be doing. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, trends that we've seen have just been the same thing. I mean, you, you look at, you know, what mailbox providers are doing, you know, just in their interface, their experience and, and you know, really trying to bring, bring more trust to brands, right? So, you know, really first centered around authentication and then, you know, became about reputation. And then, you know, now we're trying to prevent phishing through things like DMARC and you're going to start seeing logos in the inbox of companies that, you know, have, uh, you know, their, their DMARC record in place and it's called BIMI and, you know, just continue just building this trust in, in, in email and, you know, validity is really, you know, kind of centered around that. So I think as, you know, marketers learn to, you know, use their data better and to take all these signals and, you know, not just send out, you know, generic messages to, you know, a group of people, there's always gonna be a place for that. But, I think, you know, a lot of mailbox providers, especially as we've seen consolidation now, it's really, you know, Google, we'll say Verizon Media Group. If people don't know, they've acquired both Yahoo and AOL, uh, Microsoft, right? They can control overwhelming majority of, you know, the world's mailboxes. But they're kind of forcing uh, the behavior of marketers to, uh, you know, adhere to their rules and, and their policies. And so, you know, as that experience tends to get better, marketers are going to have to get better at using their own data, taking all those signals in place and understanding you know, uh, what to do with them. And some of that will, you know, be a combination of technology and people. And eventually I think uh, it's a lot of problems that can be solved purely by technology and automation. Dude, congratulations. Thanks, man. People want to get in touch with you. What's the best way for them to do it? Um, for, I don't know. Let me think of my validity email address is how new I still am. It's uh, greg.cryos at validity.com or greg250ok.com still works. Spell Cryos real quick. K-R-A-I-O-S. Perfect. Awesome. Craig, thanks, man. Thanks, Mike. If you're thinking of launching a SaaS product, startup competitors can provide data on your closest competitors, survey potential users, or provide other product validation services. 
Learn more at startupcompetitors.com.